Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Times Analytics Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Safranis, and today I'm on with Trevor Faree. Trevor, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, my name's Trevor. I'm a co-founder and the CEO of TSV Analytics, where we specialize in helping brands post the right content on the right channel at the right time. Yeah, and, th and that's very timely. Um, can you tell us about how you have been able to leverage AI in your product offering? Yeah, for sure. And it's the hot topic right now of AI everywhere, right? But I feel like for us in the marketing space, it's gotten a lot more, or I would say easier for brands to kind of accept getting into AI for obviously like the copywriting, a lot of ideas, inspiration. And so for us at TSV Analytics, as soon as ChatGPT came out, these open AI models were kind of available. We immediately went down that path of how can we create social media content for brands? And thinking back to last year before generative AI was all the craze, I was constantly thinking in my brain, like, we have all of these analytics and this data, like, how can we make it as easy as possible to take that and walk a user through being able to create some content? And lo and behold, generative AI takes over. We can do that a lot easier with prompt engineering, everything like that, putting the data in there. And I think even outside of generating content for our users, one thing that we've done that honestly has overhauled a huge piece of TSV is in our topic naming conventions and how we do that. So TSV analytics actually stands for topic sentiment and virality analytics. And the topics that we would do before when we would cluster all these posts together, understand what the different topics of conversation were, we would name those topics with the top three or five keywords that showed up when that topic was being talked about. And now, rather than just give those keywords, we can instead create an entire sentence using generative AI by pushing all of those topic keywords through one of those different models. And it just gives you a much more coherent idea of what that conversation is about. So. We're constantly thinking about new ways that we can kind of incorporate in like different parts of our system as well, apart from just the content creation side. Interesting. And what are the different use cases or different customers that would be interested in this product? Yeah, we like to say that we break the kind of different use cases down into three different categories, I would say. So your brand your industry and your competitors. And so for your brand, you want to know when people mention the Marketing Times Analytics podcasts, are they being positive? Are they being negative? Are more people talking about it? Is that trend going to be going up over the next few weeks here? And then for your industry, you would want to know what are people talking about when it comes to marketing analytics content, content as a whole. So then looking at that, we can let you know when people are talking about your space or your niche, here are kind of the trending topics within that that you could probably jump on and get some better content out of, right? And kind of engage with that audience. And then for the competitors, following them, we kind of look at a share of social, as we like to call it. So how many people are talking about you, your competitors? What does that engagement look like? How much conversation are you generating? So those are kind of the big use cases that we can break all those different processes down for. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. Can you share how a little bit of like the secret sauce of how you arrive at what are your key um, 
what, what is the key value that you're delivering to your customers? How did that evolve? Like when you first started, it was probably a little bit different. So can you explain us how you got to there? Yeah, for sure. And it was definitely very different at the start. So at the start for the original use case of TSV, it was while me and my co-founder Aiden were at NC State, we were working on this research project specifically for paint and chemical companies. So like Sherwin-Williams, Dow, DuPont, they want to know what is going to be the next big chemical that people are kind of freaking out about on social media. So like going back to the BPA baby bottle crisis, what's going to be the next BPA baby bottle crisis that pops up? So we called it specific examples like methanol being mentioned as a cure to COVID-19, which literally kills you if you ingest it, right? And same thing for like talk and baby powder was kind of, there was this court ruling, they weren't aware of it. There was a bunch of social media chatter. So we let them know. And now what we do for TSV clients is very similar in that we're following a conversation around a certain keyword or hashtag like BPA, but instead we can kind of localize that for whatever niche we're going after. So we have examples of like banking and finance, like when people are talking about personal finance, what are the trending topics? Are people talking more about high yield savings accounts, mortgage rates, like whatever niche we're kind of looking at, we can discover those trending topics and what's kind of next for that industry. Got it. So how, so then, and then generative AI came out and you thought, you know, how can we add that to this and, and create more value um, by taking a piece of value that we would previously make the user deliver and allow the machine to deliver it. And I'm particularly interested in that. Um, that that's what I've done actually for this podcast. So about 90 to 95% of the processes to produce an episode are now automated. AI is interesting because you, you have to guide it. You, 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 it's not able to do all of this sort of cerebral side of producing something. But if you can if you can build the parameters around which it makes the decision and make it extremely um, uh, well-defined, then it does have a really good purpose. So uh, do you agree with that? Is Have you found any limitations to implementing AI? Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And I think that is kind of like the debate around certain businesses or startups or kind of just like the AI wrapper for ChatGPT to kind of go in there, ask similar types of questions. But same thing like you were saying, for us, the analytics are really like the main component that we focus on. Like, how can we follow this conversation, get our advanced analytics, machine learning tools in there to really make it easy for the user to understand. And then that generative AI piece on top is really just, okay, this is the last mile. How can we use it to create a post idea? And then I think it's similar to kind of what you were saying where you need that human input. So we typically don't tell our clients, just take this and post it on your social media. You should probably give it a read through, make sure it sounds good, maybe replace the AI generated image with an image of your product. So it's super relevant. So I totally agree. It's kind of like the next layer that makes it that much easier. Yeah. It's great. It's it's um, taking away a lot of the busy work that previously we had to do, and that in its itself is revolutionary. Because now, for example, I just launched a few new podcasts that nobody's pretty much heard of because I haven't recorded any actual episodes for them. They just I just have the albums, 
But if you search my name on Apple Podcasts, you'll see them. There's a couple of new ones that are coming out. And the whole point is why not take this and use AI to make it easier and then do more and then do like triple or quadruple as many conversations. And um, each one, each episode, I get to learn so much and talk to experts like yourself in different areas. And they can help guide not only me, but help educate the whole world. You know, there's somebody in almost every country who will listen to this podcast. So it, it, there's a lot of, there's a big educational component. It's, it's kind of a, it's a big win-win, I think, for everybody. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Huh. Interesting about the podcast, though, and all of the different, are you trying to do ones in different niches or what is the goal yes. with it? No. So with marketing analytics, I get to learn marketing and analytics. Uh, I then started AI and automation and security and privacy. So that's four new domains that I'll be learning about. Um, and then I also started a podcast called the Lake County District 18 podcast. It's all just where I grew up. Uh, it's my school district that uh, I went to for most of my life. And uh, it's a way for me to ask the community how it can be improved and, uh, and just generally like listen, like what, what can we do? I, I, there currently isn't such a podcast. So it's just a little, you know, a little something, help the community. Nice. And like you said, with the automation of what a lot of you're doing right on the podcasting side. So like, I'm, there's no way you're asking me AI generated questions, right? That would be crazy. <laughs> well, that's, it's funny you mentioned that. So I do have AI generated questions. I never read them um, because for the same reason we talked about earlier. There's just a gap right now between AI and humans to the point where I, I actually realized we're going into a renaissance of human engineering and human production. So there's, there's going to be a lot of automation. Everything's going to be made by robots. It pretty much already is. But there will be a new premium on something that's actually made, by, made for by a human or made by a human. So, and that extends to social media. So for about two, three months, I really tried to integrate AI into my social. And then I realized there's nothing special about that. You know what's special is Alex actually thinking of a post to share with people, whatever that may be, whatever inspiration comes to me. And that is just so much more intimate of a connection with my audience. And it's almost disrespectful to farm out the one thing they're gonna read from me when they hear about this post. So I found this new, I think there's gonna be a new wave towards uh, not using AI as an additional premium uh, for whatever you're reading or seeing. It's like, ooh, this, this was actually made by a person still. Can you believe that? Like back when people used to write things. <laughs> yeah, the good old days, right? No, <laughs> no I, I think that makes sense. And that's kind of like what I was saying earlier, where just don't send out all of these posts that you're creating, even using right. the TSV tool immediately, right? I think it comes back to like, the content is the number one thing by far, like making that authentic. And I think that's where, like you're saying, I think getting the ideas, the inspiration, going from zero to 80% with the AI, kind of getting that idea out there. And then you, kind of the podcast expert of the GPT and you conversation, you're like, oh, I know how I can kind of swerve this into what we're talking about, turn these into our questions, figure out how to use this. So I think it still just takes a ton of human input 
to be able to do it successfully. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's interesting you bring that up because I wasn't thinking about TSV when I was saying that, uh, but it's, it's an exact correlation. So if I were using TSV, I would want to take a look and just make sure, but then at the same time, depending on the volume of posts, sometimes I do just want to use it. So it's a balance of like, how much time do you have to devote your brain power to versus, you know, it's just a little post, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll use this. So, so it's a question of the ratio, like how much are we comp supplementing our, uh, our human effort? Yeah. And I feel like sometimes I might even overcomplicate it for myself where I'll be like, oh, I could use the, I could use ChatGPT to kind of figure out this. And I end up spending more time trying to like prompt engineer and go into like get this specific answer when I could just like write out a sentence or two about what I'm trying to get out of it. Right. So I think it's definitely the balance of what you should be doing. Right. Yeah, that's funny. I've, I've uh, written really intense queries in ChatGPT before. Uh, and I really was pushing against the limits. Um, I, I had, I think it was like three pages long. So I have a website where I have many different products that I sell and they're just like little like fun things that are a part of my life. And, but there's a lot of them. There's like 30 products. So instead of writing out the descriptions for all these, I was like, I'm going to use ChatGPT, except there are limits to what the input is and every product is super unique. So I had to write like three pages of uh, detailed descriptions on what these things even are, what the prices are, the quantities, the everything, right? Only for it to create, then to create the descriptions. So I had probably put in more work by the end of it than I would have if I had just written <laughs> the descriptions. But now the, the product actually looks and sounds more professional. So that's the benefit. It's like, I don't know how to write product descriptions, but I do know how to describe the product to the machine. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's funny, the classic programmer conundrum, you could spend like 15 minutes to make this or automate it in three hours, right? And end up <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. I mentioned that I had questions for the podcast that I have made. Um, I didn't have them for this because we didn't have an intro call. So the way that the system works is I have a bot on LinkedIn that will reach out to people who have certain titles on LinkedIn. Right now I'm looking for media buyers because that's a very relevant piece of the business I'm building and I don't have a lot of content around it. Media buyers are particularly tricky to get a hold of. I don't know why. They're, you know why? Because they know they're valuable. They, they know they're sitting in the center of the ecosystem. They're very busy, especially in Q4. Um, but so yeah, it's funny. I noticed like across all of the different marketing uh, people, they're some of the hardest to get. So I have a bot that'll go and reach out to them um, and then invite them to, to join an intro call. On that intro call, I have a read.ai. It's a bot that sits on the call and takes notes. And it's very cheap. It's, it's like $30 or less per month. So for AI tools, this is pretty affordable. So I have the thing sit on the call, record the podcast, or sorry, record the conversation. Then it uses Zapier to send that information to my ChatGPT API, and it has a query, a pre-written query that says, okay, you've, I've now had this conversation, here are the details, I need you to write me some questions, a podcast description, all of this stuff, every single thing I need. Now, do I use any of it? No, not yet. <laughs> it's cool, but at the end of the day, 
when it comes to the podcast description, I'll write that. It's two sentences, and I've just listened to the podcast twice. Like, I know what the description is. And it's never going to be as accurate because, like, the intro call is not really the podcast. So it'll give me its best guess as to what our conversation will be about. It'll give me its best guess for what questions we should ask. But ultimately, I actually use that as a function to make other people more comfortable. So when they ask for questions in advance, it's... Well, I'm really, I'm really bringing you guys behind the curtain here. I don't like, I don't like that because I don't ever know what I'm going to ask. No matter how many questions I ask, I will always run out of questions in 30 minutes. So we'll always need to improvise no matter what. So even if we give the guests some amount of questions, it doesn't really matter. And they'll want to do research and prepare. And that actually takes away from the conversation because the whole point is like, what are you actually interested in? What do you actually know? I'm not interested in like a, a mini research essay from, from guests. So that's how the AI works. And, and that's kind of the pitfall of it is like, it does the job, but not as well. And when it comes to a critical piece, like the questions, like the, that's the center of a podcast, I can't rely on it for that, but I can rely on it to give somebody an idea of what we would talk about, save me the time for that. And so the next step is to take those questions and just email them directly to the guest and say, here are the questions you can prepare if you want. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a Zapier connection to be able to do that, right? <laughs> yeah. And I think you're right where it is like the authenticity of like talking about certain things. And like you said, like it's almost the customer discovery side of things that you're doing, right? When you're reaching out to these media buyers, like understanding what they're focusing on, what they're getting into. And that's honestly been a lot of the work that I've done for TSV as well, whether it's customer discovery with social media managers before they're even prospects or before we really even created the TSV platform just to understand like, how do they operate? Like, how do they make, how do they create content? How do they discover trends? How do they know what their audience is talking about? So that when it comes to TSV, what are the things that we should be incorporating into our platforms to make their life easier when it comes to those different tasks and automate them using the analytics and AI, right? To make them more effective. And even more so on the user research side of things, like being able to know when people are talking about certain things within the platform, how can we take that information? And we use something very similar, otter.ai, that is for like listening to notes and recordings and being able to listen back to when this TSV user is walking us through the platform while they're sharing their screen, like what are the different emotions that they feel when they talk about certain things? Are they getting excited with this? Are they confused when they talk about this? So I think there are so many different ways that that can be incorporated. I mean, I'm sure you'll get into more of the automation doing more for you soon, right? It's only just started. Hopefully. Yeah, I love automation. I think that it is one of the greatest economic accelerators that our generation has. There's There was computers 40 years ago and uh, cell phones 20 years ago internet 30 years ago, now we have automation and we have AI. And that is like, you take those technologies, it's like a hundred times better because it's like, unlike the other ones that may save you a little bit of time going from like point A to point B, this saves you like all the time, like much more time relative to what the other ones would save us. Yeah, I saw... I can't remember the exact numbers or since when that I saw this information, but the amount of 
freelance jobs coming up on like Upwork or Fiverr, all of those types of websites where it are these short jobs that people are able to do. The amount of jobs that are showing up in terms of postings has decreased so much since ChatGPT has really come out and the earnings for each of those jobs have also decreased. Yeah. So people are able to do the jobs on their own more now. And when they do see that these jobs are being done, they almost assume that AI is being done to do them. So they're paying less for those jobs to be completed. So it's interesting the patterns of, like you said, people are able to do a lot more and automate on their own now, rather than going to these things for like somewhat simple tasks of whatever it might be, right? Like write a right. blog for this conversation or whatever it might be. Yeah, and this is a good time to plug Fiverr. Fiverr is my favorite for uh, any any work that needs to be done. And they now have a an AI section where they have people who use AI. They will tell you, like, we're using AI to do this thing for you, which is great because that I was talking to my friend who was like, I know AI can code for me, but I don't know when I'm when it spits out the code, I don't know what I'm looking at. So it can't really code for you if you don't know how to read it. So having somebody who is using the AI, understands coding and is building the thing for you, brilliant. That that is what they needed to do um, to, to evolve with this technology. And I'm excited for that. I hope to be able to use that sometime. I just got an ad for it. So, so now I know about it, but um, I, I, I'm a big fan of that. Nice. Yeah, we, we've used a few of those services to try and get some super quick things done. Like when we first started TSV, the first logo that we used was us going to Fiverr and just creating this, right? Where it's probably we could go into Dolly 3 now and create an image if we wanted to there. But it'll be interesting to see how those types of services evolve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think is coming next? What do you see evolving in the AI world? What, what's, paint us a picture of what you see happening. Yeah, I'm sure my picture is a little blurred by my TSV bias and everything that we're focusing on. I think something that'll be really interesting and going back to scary is going to be on the actual like AI video creation side of things. Like how many of these ads, because we all know that TikToks, Reels are performing the best, these short form videos. How good can these certain types of AI video creation tools get where they may seem just as authentic as real content that's being put out there? So I think that'll be the next barrier. And I think it's coming down to like a lot of speculation, even though there is so much speculation on social media right now of whether things are real or not. I think that is just kind of go to another level when it comes to these other services and videos specifically being created. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That is my uh, goal, actually, for this podcast. And I think I think the viewers would hate it. Um, but if I could automate myself in as the host, then I could do like a hundred podcasts at the same time every day. <laughs> yeah, just think about it. Right, because at that point, it's just like a prompting algorithm that allows people in various areas and disciplines to respond. And that's the only manual piece of this podcast left. And I don't think it's, I don't think it's sad or not sad. It's just, it just is the last piece that you really can't automate is, is, is me it being 
in here. So, but, but eventually that we will be able to do that too. So, and I'm excited about it. I do want to try it and, uh, you know, see, you know, maybe you guys will, I don't think you guys will like it more than me, but it'll be, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That, I would be very disappointed if, uh, if the audience preferred it, but I'll try it and see what happens, you know? And I think it's an interesting technology. Yeah. And I think like it takes away a whole other layer of like, we need to, to, we needed to reschedule from yesterday to today, right? Where if it's just the AI conversation, it's like, oh, it's Monday evening. I'm done with work. Alex wanted to record this podcast, just hop in and then the AI will immediately start the conversation, right? So we'll see. We'll have to let me know how the analytics look on that episode when it comes through. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't know how to do it yet. I tried, I, they, there actually isn't an AI service yet that will replicate your face. You have to create like the Wii, uh, you know, the, those like Wii characters that they look ridiculous, like not even really like people. That's kind of where we still are at with a lot of this AI stuff. They also have pre-formatted people so you could pick a person and then, then it is like a regular person. An avatar, yes, but not yourself yet. I had to, I actually have a 3D model of myself built. Don't ask me why, <laughs> I had it done on Fiverr. And I wanna use that to create this thing. It's close enough, but there's no service that allows you to upload your own 3D rendering. Probably because nobody has that. <laughs> yeah, so actually, me and my co-founder, we went to the National Association of Broadcasters show in Vegas earlier this year. And obviously with broadcasters, a huge thing is getting people on the air, especially for breaking news. Like you need that newscaster in the room when everything is being done and the breaking news is happening. So what one of these services was able to do when they were another... Uh, innovation challenge winners. So we talked to them the entire time that we were there. They'll go in to these news crews and they will actually record you talking for a few hours and create your virtual twin. They're essentially recording like your mannerisms, how you look. They could look at all of your podcasts probably and see how you act and how you respond. How do your how does your face move when you say certain things? And then they're able to make it so that okay, it's breaking news at 11.30 p.m. We need this tape, like just send it to the digital twin and they'll create it without them actually needing to be there. So I, I don't think you'll have to wait too long. I don't know how enterprise that is compared to your podcast, but it's crazy, the technology and like how quickly it's moving. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. And I think the positive side of it, this is going to come off as a negative, but I think it's a positive that there will be further distrust in mainstream media. And that's ultimately a good thing for people to know that anything can be faked. This can be faked. It's not, I promise. Is this but Yeah, it could be. You, you don't really know. <laughs> It'd be quite ironic though, talking about the replication technology and secretly doing it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. and. It's funny you mentioned like the distrust, which is kind of what I was touching on with like the video creation and like the authenticity side of thing. And obviously we think about that a lot for TSV and the content that we're putting out there. But I hope like you had said, it would be a good thing if people had more distrust and they thought more critically about certain things that they see. So I hope that does become the case and it's not like immediately yes. they see something and they're like, oh, that's got to be true still. Exactly. That's the problem with today. Today, it, it, everything's taken its face value. But once you can prove like, hey, anything can be faked, 
then people have to actually critically think about, does this make sense that this is true? Not just, is there evidence in front of me that I've been given, whether it's real or not, it's, does this evidence make sense in the world that I understand? That's critical thinking, and, and I think it'll increase that critical thinking, because it ha like you have to in order to survive in that kind of world. I hope so too. Uh, I, it'll be really interesting to see. And I think one other point, obviously there's been a whole lot of talk about X, Twitter, Elon Musk taking over and how all of that has gone. And one thing that I think that they've done really well is on the community notes that they provide for yeah. different posts that are going out there. So being able to back up a claim, like you see this video and it turns out, oh, this is from 12 years ago and isn't actually happening right now. So I think there will be a lot more on the actual platforms to try and verify a lot of what is going on so that they aren't able to take things at face value. Because on social media right now, if you see something on X, oh, it's this crazy polarizing thing. Let me retweet it, quote tweet it, post about it. And if there is never that backup, it just like spreads like a wildfire before community notes can even come in, right? Yeah. And it's a double-edged sword because you can't like stop people from sharing things because then that will be abused to stop things that that whoever's in charge doesn't want to be shared. So yeah. it's a tightrope of not over-correcting, giving people context about what happened. And I love that you brought up that point that people will literally bring videos from a decade ago and pretend it happened yesterday because, because you don't know about it. You didn't see it, so it might as well have happened yesterday if it serves their purpose. And that is, I love that. So I, I love that there's this new layer that helps us identify that. Um, and I, and by the way, I don't like watching any violence on social media because that, especially recently on X, I actually deleted it because I was trying to block all of these like bad imagery and it kept coming. And I was like, okay, this it has abused its uh, abilities to, to be in my life, basically. Yeah. Was that specifically on X? Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why, and I think this has been talked about quite a bit, right? It's like all of these brands that are pulling out from X because they don't want their content next to whatever content might be showing up next to them, right? And they just have no control over that. And even one of our TSV clients that we've been working with, they've just completely backed out of even posting organically on X. And it's just too much going on, too much to manage. And the, I guess, threat to opportunity level is just way too low for them. So it's interesting right. to see that even for your time, right? Getting out of there. Yeah. Yeah, and, and then on top of it with X, uh, you have the additional um, uh, PlayStation and Xbox uh, issues that they're hopefully gonna fix, but basically the API access to X is like extremely expensive, kind of a price gouge. And I'm not like against pricing to make money, like to make profit. I know the business was sinking, but apparently it was too much and PlayStation withdrew entirely. They were like, we're not gonna let people share to X. And Elon tweeted about it. He's like, okay, well, <laughs> I will address this. You know, like he doesn't want that to be the case, but in, in any case, it, it got major news. So it seems like X is getting a, lot, a big share of the criticism right now. And I think it's fair, like everything I've heard is fair, especially because you're going to make a bunch of changes to one of the biggest social networks, you're going to get backlash. It's just going to happen. 
Um, so I think it's actually really constructive that we have these conversations about it. Yeah. And I think even outside of X, like with the Reddit change that happened at the beginning earlier this year, it's just like a huge switch in their pricing. And I think that was specifically down to like open AI, other large language models being created using all of those different forums and posts. Oh. And they really wanted to combat them using all these conversations that they've created for years on their specific platform and like gatekeep all of that data, right? So I think it's really interesting how they were a little too late to blocking all of that because GPT-3 and everything had already really come out. So I think it was a little retroactive and kind of did a lot of harm to other brands that weren't even kind of the big issue with the massive amounts of data that they were using for those models. Mm -hmm. Speaking of that, I, <laughs> I think you're going to have a better answer than the lawyer I asked this question to a few weeks ago. So how do you think this will play out when it comes to ownership and profiting off of people's work? So when you have the inputs of these models that have essentially been stolen from the people and resold to the people, um, what, how is this going to end up? Is there going to be basically a bunch of lawsuits? They're going to destroy the current AI models and then new ones will be built where there's actually a fractional credit system like we see on social networks where people's viewership is rewarded with money? Yeah, that is a great question. And I wish I knew the answer. I think like one of the biggest examples of that is like Getty images going after OpenAI and the Dolly model. Specifically, they used all of these Getty images to be able to train Dolly of what certain images were were about. And then when you were creating images with Dolly, the Getty images watermark would show up in so many of the images that were being created. So clearly they're using all of this data that is watermarked. That probably means you can't use it, right? So I think that is still ongoing or I haven't heard about anything from there in a while, but I think it will kind of come down to once again, with the advertising, I think it's going to come down to the individual and being able to kind of know and going back to the social side of things. If you're posting information on a public account, that information is kind of out there for the world to be able to see. But I think once it gets into the private conversations and everything there, I think that gets a lot harder. So it'll be interesting to see because in terms of like artwork and more kind of historic things. I think that's where a lot of the credit might lie, but especially on social, I have no idea how they would even know what's going into the model for these individuals, right? Or do they actually say who said that when they put it into the model on social media? I think there's a lot under the hood that we don't really know about. Definitely. I think I, I would love to build that model, the AI that has a fractional credit system and the way you would do it is on the way in, you would assign every data point to an owner. And then based off of the frequency of querying, you would pay them more. So it would be like a performance model of payment. So they get a better profit than with more viewership of their answer. And that's pre pretty much it. Yeah. And then it's I guess it gets a little complicated, right? If you talk about like product management as an entire industry, right? And like ask a question there, like, or does Wikipedia have the most knowledge about product management and it goes to them, right? Or who's the- And domain? good. And, yeah. and good because Wikipedia is failing. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to for them to actually get some more revenue based off of the data mined from their website. Not ask for some more ads every week. <laughs> yeah, it's so annoying. It's like, <laughs> yeah. 
it, it's it's too much. Whatever consultant they hired to increase revenue pushed it too much. Rose brand, cool. frankly. Cool. <laughs> yeah, we will see what happens with that. You've talked about TSP. Do you have any other projects, any other initiatives or interests you want to talk about? Ooh, and TSV takes up quite a bit of time, I will say. <laughs> so that is where a lot of what we're working on is going. I guess in terms of what we're building at TSV right now, obviously with the OpenAI Developer Day with Dolly 3 coming out, being able to put that into our tool. And from my just anecdotal experience, the improvement from Dolly 2 is insane in terms of the images that it's creating. So I'm really excited about that for our users. So I'm excited about that. Another thing we're working on is obviously with TSV, we focus a lot on the virality prediction of being able to predict what is the next trend. So we're now incorporating that with our content calendar on the actual platform. So we can tell you specifically this day at this time, click here, create your post idea. It'll go schedule out for then. So really excited for how much that's going to streamline that whole process from going from the analytics to the, the to the scheduling side of things. But I think those are the big things that we're focused on right now. That is very interesting. So you're talking about like frequency. You're talking about how can we advise on the different executional elements of the of the marketing of the advertising. And exactly. it's interesting. Like when it comes to Instagram, when is your specific niche audience around marketing analytics posting and engaging the most? And then when do we predict that's going to be the highest in the future so that you can plan ahead of time based on your audience? Let me ask you something. So I, I had this idea. So <laughs> what I, my idea was to have a TV show about the marketing and uh, the, the consumer behavior world. So this week in consumer behavior, you know, AI topics uh, has been talked about, more, you know, 50% more than historical averages. Um, you know, wartime uh, posts are at an all-time high. Um, blah, 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 right? The, this consumer group has just uh, increased in its total spend greater than what we expect. At, TSV is exactly the centerpiece of that show. Have you thought about making media to educate people on the insights as a teaser to get them to want more? Yeah, this is definitely something that we're starting to do more is almost like these quick little trailers of public conversations that we're monitoring. So like one, for example, is we'll look at like the banking, bank, personal finance conversation, like I was saying earlier, and we can see like when it comes to that, what are people talking about this past week that are starting to be trending topics that you know what's going on there? And interesting with the war example, because a lot of the conversations around the war include the West Bank. We see a specific conversation showing up in our banking conversation around the war. But using TSV, we're able to click, no, this topic isn't relevant. And we can remove all of that kind of outside of our context conversation and then focus on the banking without muddying all of the data. So then we're able to kind of create a quick video, trying to do some more TikToks, as you know, using your podcast as some of the content we put out. Good. So I'm sure we'll do that a little bit more, but that kind of lets us get this quick video of like, 
Here's what we could see in 30 seconds using TSV for this conversation. Imagine what we could see for your brand, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that content. I'm, I'm always uh, pleasantly surprised. I, I love seeing it and I'm glad you're yeah. making use of it. Yeah. Until we it's, it's ours. Hard. It's it's all of ours. It, yeah. yeah, it belongs to everybody. I, it's not gate kept at all. Yeah, I appreciate it. Hopefully get some more views here soon. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, thank you, Trevor. This has been a great conversation and I'm excited to chat again. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.